Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance. Welcome to Living Truth Radio. Today in Genesis 34, we're going to deal with some hard subject matter. Dinah, the only daughter of Jacob, is going to be abused in this chapter, and it's going to bring up some hard questions about Jacob's passive response, the violence of the brothers in response to this, and where is God in all of this? That's today on Living Truth Radio, and we're going to deal with some of the application and ask some of those hard questions in the message and deal with it at the end. So stay tuned. We're glad you're here on Living Truth Radio, and a heads up to parents that there's going to be some mature content in this message. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. You go to Genesis 34. So Dinah... You know, she, she goes out, and she's in this place called Shechem, and she's left the covering of the tent. And she's going to be, she's all of a sudden going, going to become very vulnerable. We live in a world where our kids, when they stu- start to go out into the world and start to, you know, spread their wings a little bit, they can be very naive about life. Amen? Uh, we did, we we as parents were always warning. You know, my mother would always warn me when I was leaving out. Be careful. She would say, in your daily activities. And I said, okay, Ma. Do you watch the road when you drive? She would say to me, no, Mom, I'd mess with her. No, I, I like to look to the right. I, I like to look northeast when I'm driving, just to see how things are going on. <laughs> You don't, you're not on that cell phone when you're driving, are you? She'd have a whole list of questions for me, and then she'd reiterate, and then she'd reiterate, be careful, and all that stuff. Now, I do it. I, I find that's like the last thing. I either, either need to get I love you or be careful out to the boys. And, you know, it's just the parental thing, amen? This is kind of just what we do. We're concerned about them. Now, you have a father in heaven, and you're his child, and he's for you. He's not against you. And he gives you guidelines in Scripture to protect you. God is not some killjoy up in the heavens that just says, you know what, every Christian that's born again, I just wouldn't. my singular goal is to ruin their fun. I don't want them smiling. I don't want them laughing. I, don't want to, I just want them to just kind of stay in the tent. That's what my mother would like me to do, by the way. Can't you just stay home? <laughs> then we make announcements. Oh, I'm going to work my mother tonight. We make announcements. Who's going who's to go on that mission trip? Shane's not going on that mission trip, is he? <laughs> She'll start asking questions. During the church service. It's like, mother, people do travel. Oh, no, no. <laughs> anyway. But I know what motivates my mom. My mom loves us. You know, when your father in heaven gives you guidelines and he says, stay within these guidelines for your safety, he knows what the battle's like. He knows the enemy. He knows the spiritual warfare that you're going to deal with. And he tells you what he tells you because he loves you. And sometimes, if not all the time, we have to learn the hard way. Amen. 
and we go out and we can warn people and we can mentor people and we can say, hey, you know, be careful. Well, Dinah went out and she decided to hang out with the girls of Shechem. It doesn't seem like that bad of a deal, but here's what happened. When Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, Hamor the Hivite is uh, here in verse two, he was the prince of the land, something like a king or you know, the one in charge. When he, Shechem, the son of the ruler, saw her, saw Dinah, he took her and he lay with her by force. So when she was out there, and you know, you can read commentaries on this and they say, well, was this the typical MO of the people of this land? Did they just kinda, you know, did they just look at your relationships this way and was it just you know part of their pagan practices to not think twice about you know uh, uh, taking a girl by force we don't know for sure we don't know all the practices but we do know this sometimes these things happen in pagan rituals so here's a vulnerable girl she's probably a young teenager she goes out there and all of a sudden this guy sees her and the language is very strong if you have the ESV it has the idea of he saw her he seized her, he laid with her by force, he raped her, he raped her. And all of a sudden, Dinah's in this situation where this man grabs her, and now he's had his way with her by force. And this is a tragedy that does happen, and um, you know, I know in a room like this tonight are people who are listening to my voice, I know that there's things that happen in this world that can happen in our past, and uh, sometimes there's abuse that's happened to people, and they have, you know, maybe a, something violent was done to them. Sadly, there's, you know, there's these thing, these kinds of things happen in our world, and it's hard for people to try to recover from this kind of stuff. And Dinah was in that situation where this man grabbed her and, and took advantage of her, of her. And she was, she was out there and vulnerable. And we've had, you know, we have stories. Uh, I'm trying to analyze our audience because I don't think there's any young people here, but we have, we have, audi we have uh, uh, situations in our world where, you know, there are people who are in the sex trafficking industry who have snatched girls off the street we have situations where men have posed as college students, convinced young vulnerable girls that they had all the best intentions, got them to go somewhere, and all of a sudden that young girl is now in the sex slave industry. And they're telling us, people who are experts in this field are telling us it's happening in the United States as well. In fact, if you've done any research on this, uh, there's there's been some young ladies that have shared their stories of how they got set up, they got snatched, and then they had to be rescued by a ministry. And this is one of the ministries that we actually support, is uh, a ministry that goes into brothels and in other uh, countries to try to rescue young girls. In fact, uh, if you know Corey Nichols, how many of you remember Corey coming to speak? Corey Nichols just sent me a little uh, tag, it's a little keychain, with the latest girl that they just rescued, and I think she was 14 years old, is 14 years old. She got a big smile on her face, and they rescued her because of that type of ministry and, and what you guys do as the body of Christ. And so here's Dinah. 
in this situation. And it says that Shechem was deeply attracted to Dinah, verse three, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. Now there's another case in, in the scriptures and it's in 2 Samuel and I think it's Amnon. And uh, he takes advantage of his sister, as I recall the story. And right after he takes advantage of her, the Bible says he hates her. He hated her. And he said basically after he had his way with her, get out of here. I don't want to see your face again. And, and that's just, you know, obviously horrible injury and insult. But here, he took advantage of her, and then he spoke tenderly to her and expressed his love to her. And, uh, you know, this is, this is one of those situations where he did something terrible, he did something wrong, but then he tried to reassure her, like, no, I, I really do love you, I'm, I'm really attracted to you, and, and this is just gonna be okay. And, and all of a sudden, Dinah's in this situation where she's been taken advantage of by this man, and now he's confessing that he loves her. We find out in this story that Dinah is actually kept in this house. We find out later that Shechem has her in a house, and apparently she's been held there, almost like a kidnapping. And so she goes out from under the covering of her, her dad, and I don't know what was going on with mom and dad. I don't know how they didn't know her or if they let her do this or what, but... Verse four says, so Shechem spoke to his father, Hamor, and he said, get me this young girl for a wife. I mean, I don't know what kind of household is going on in, the, in, you know, in Hamor and his son, but uh, the son came to him and said, hey, I found this girl and I want her for a wife. And so uh, all of a sudden he tells dad, you know, uh, I, I know how this works. This is a dowry between the two dads. There's a negotiation. So I found this girl and I want you to, to go negotiate so she can be my wife. And this is, this is the culture. This is what's going on. And get me this young girl for a wife. And Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, verse five. But his sons were with the livestock his livestock in the field. So Jacob uh, kept silent until they came in. Now the sons are out dealing with the livestock and dad hears what's going on. I don't know who told him. Uh, it may be that some of the daughters of the land had come and shared this with him and they, they probably would have come and reported not only what happened, but that she was being held somewhere. And, and Jacob heard about it, but he didn't say anything. He kind of held his peace. Verse five says, he kept silent until they, that is his sons, came in. And what you're gonna see in Jacob in chapter 34 is a very passive father. And I just wanna comment for a second. There's too many passive fathers in our culture. Fathers have been called to be the, not only the head of their household, but the covering of the household. And in many ways, dads have released that responsibility. And so Dinah has been defiled. That's what the Bible uses as the language here. The word defiled, you know, is a word that I think we're all familiar with, but it means to be soiled. It means to be unclean. And, um, you know, I'm not gonna assume for a moment that people that are sitting here tonight may not have that feeling. Sometimes we feel defiled by 
things that have happened to us in the past. Sometimes we feel like we've defiled ourselves by poor choices we've made, and sometimes it's a combination of both. In the New Testament, the people who were typically called unclean were lepers, and a leper had to announce, unclean, unclean. In the Gospel of Luke, there was a leper who came to Jesus, and he fell at Jesus' feet, and he said, if you are willing, do you remember this story? You can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And remarkably, Jesus touched that leper. And he, this is how the Bible would describe it, he was cleansed. And the Bible teaches us that we are cleansed. Leprosy in the Bible is a type, it's a picture of sin. It's a leprosy, they ultimately say what, what happens with leprosy is that it's not technically a skin-eating disease. Leprosy makes your nerve endings insensitive to pain. So that a leper ends up losing digits, fingers, limbs, they can even scrape off their nose. They could have a varmint chewing on their ear and they don't feel it. So where you would go, and brush that thing away. You know, you get a bug on you, right? You, isn't it amazing? Your body's amazing. You can sense something on you. You ever had a, something crawling? You're like, hey, my back. Hey. Start screaming like a little girl. I've done that many times. Anyway, is there anything on my back? No, you big baby. <laughs> right? But for a leper, they become desensitized to pain. And that's what sin does to us. It desensitizes. Have you noticed that as a Christian, you are now resensitized? Have you noticed that language that used to flow out of your mouth so easily, now when your friends do that, you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And if they use the name of God, does that bother you? It should. Because that's the one who saved us. That's our Father. That's our Creator, right? So we have been, as Christians, get this. Here's the spiritual picture. When Jesus touched us and we were born again, we were cleansed. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now I'm clean before Almighty God. I'm unaccusable before the Father and look, I've made my share of mistakes. There are things that I don't want to come up when I stand before God and praise God they're not going to come up because they were put on him at the cross. You see, Jesus Christ endured my shame, took my wrath, took my sin at the cross so that I can be clean and I'm unaccusable before the Father because of the work of the Son. I've been cleansed by His blood. God is no longer counting my sins against me, and He's no longer counting yours against you. As far as the east is from the west, so far as He, what? Removed our transgressions from us. That's what it means to be a Christian. You're cleansed. You're clean. But Dinah... When she experienced this moment, she was defiled. Do you know that sexual sin in our culture is 
just rampant. We all know that. We know the pornography industry. We know what's going on in our world. And let me just say this to you. The devil loves to defile people. He loves for Christians to take two steps forward and three steps back so he can make you feel defiled, right? You're clean before Almighty God, but he wants you to stay stuck. And you know what? In Jesus Christ, you're not defiled. You're clean. But you want to try to live out what you are positionally before God. You want to try to be that practically, and that's what we're all trying to do in what we call sanctification. We're justified in the moment we believe in Christ. His righteousness goes to our account. Our sin was put on him at the cross, but practically, sanctification, we still mess up. We're still like Jacob, right? One moment, we're hanging on to God. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And the next moment, we're lying to our brother, Oh, we'll catch up to you. (laughs) This may hit real close to home for some of you. Yeah, I'll be there in a few. Not going. (laughs) Kind of make an excuse. Flat tire. Anyway, there's Dinah. And it's sad what's happened to her. The Bible says that the marriage bed is undefiled. Um. It's hard sometimes for Christians to make this transition because the, the, when you're a Christian and you're trying to, to be pure and then you get married, sometimes it's hard for young couples to make that transition from the light is red, 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 no, 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 to go. <laughs> Bleep, it's green now, okay. So you might wanna, when you do premarital counseling, you might wanna talk about some of those issues, you know. I think it's healthy to do that. The marriage bed, please hear me, is undefiled. God made this up. God wants you to have a healthy relationship with your spouse. And we got so much baggage, folks, in these areas that sometimes it's hard to know how to navigate life. I'm just being real with you tonight, amen? Sometimes it's hard. And so here's Dinah. She's got to be devastated. She's probably a young teenager. The brothers are out in the field. Jacob's heard about it. He stayed silent. I don't know if he's in some sort of silent rage or if he's just, you know, kind of being passive, which he seems to be this whole chapter, verse 6. Then Hamor, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Here comes Hamor. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it. They heard the same thing that had happened, and the men were grieved. I want you to notice that the men mentioned in verse 7 seems to be the brothers, but not Jacob. It's not mentioned that Jacob was grieved. When, when Hamor, the father of Shechem, Shechem's the one that defiled Dinah, comes to him, he's, he's going to negotiate. He's come to dad, one dad to the other dad, to talk about these two kids, quote unquote, getting married. That's, that's what's happened. Shechem's asked Hamor, Dad, I want you to go. I, I want to have this, this gal as my wife. And so he goes to speak to Jacob about these matters. And the sons of Jacob come in the, from the field, and when they heard it, and maybe they walked in on the conversation when uh, Hamor is explaining what's going on with, to Jacob, the men were grieved and they were very angry because 
he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel, which is interesting because Israel is just a family right now. But it says in Israel, by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. Now, on many levels, this was wrong. This was wrong because, number one, uh, this, this guy uh, shouldn't have been with her in the first place, but obviously the sexual sin was wrong. The, the, the forced, uh, uh, the rape here was wrong. It was wrong on so many levels. It was disgraceful. And these men were grieved. They were furious. But Hamor spoke of them, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Now, wouldn't you think that it would be something like Hamor might say, uh, hey, listen, I, I've come to apologize. Something, something terrible has happened. Uh, my son has done a horrible thing. He, he has violated your daughter. I'm so sorry. There's no apology here. All there is is, hey, he wants her as his wife. So are we cool? <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. We're not cool. No, hey, more, we're not cool. So notice, he says, man, another way to put this is, my son longs for her. Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. And intermarry with us. Uh, give your daughters to us and take our daughters for yourselves. Hey, hey, uh, hey, Hamor's got a great plan. This is an opportunity. This is not a setback. It's an opportunity. I know the kids, you know, they, they did things out of order a little bit. But hey, said Hamor. And if I was one of the, the brothers here, I would say, hey, Hamor, don't say hey anymore. Uh, anyway. Hey, let's strike up a deal. I'll tell you what. This could be beneficial for all of us. Look at verse 10. You'll live with us. The land shall be open before you. And, and, and you can live and trade in it and acquire property in it. Hey, this is wonderful. In fact, I've got a brochure right here about the, the shallows of Shechem. It's this new complex over here that you can all live in. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, let me see that brochure. See, the enemy has a way of trying to kind of cover it and so we don't deal with it, right? And then, and then offer us uh, attractive little goodies in Shechem so we can just shoulder some more. Hey, there's economic advantage. There's livestock here. There's land. There's property. You've got it all here. This dude is pretty clever because he's kind of distracted the whole conversation away from what's really happened here. So he says, verse uh, 11, Shechem also said to her father and to her brother, so now the whole group is there, if I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you say to me. Oh, and by the way, uh, in Shechem we have the, the name, the price for your daughter tool by Progressive. So we're a progressive society here. So here's what we do. Just, just name your price, man. Go ahead. See, this is what they would do with the dowry. You had to pay something as the father of the prospective groom to get the hand of the prospective girl. And so he's just basically saying to dad, I tell you what, go ahead. Whatever you say, this is a blank check. Ask me, verse 12, ask me ever so much bridal payment 
This is a dowry and gift, and I will give it according as you uh, say to me, but give me the girl in marriage. Just give me the girl, and I'll give you the money. <laughs> wow. Brothers are there. Steam's coming out of their ears. Who knows what's going on with Jacob, right? And this dude's making this offer, and what do you think the brothers are thinking? I just want to slug him in the face right now. I'm going to deck Hamor. <laughs> so notice what happens. So Jacob's sons answered, not Jacob, but his sons answered, Shechem, and uh, his father Hamor with the sea. So now here, here's the other thing. Apparently, as the conversation's going on, Shechem shows up. Oh, here's my boy now. Yeah, he, he's the one that's, you know, I'm talking to you about Dinah. Can you imagine the brothers? They have to be just steaming. The naysayers towards the Bible may say, okay, well, if God exists, how can he allow this to happen? And what is it that we can say in response to that? Well, I think it, it goes back to the problem of evil, Oscar, which is a serious problem, and it is a problem that Christians wrestle with. Whether you get a bad diagnosis from the doctor, Christians lose loved ones, bad things happen to people in Christian families as well. So Christians are not you know, exempt from suffering and evil in the world. Mm -hmm. But one thing that we know is ultimately God can even uh, turn that together for good. Here's an example. We're heading towards this book really focusing on Joseph. Well, Joseph is going to be hated by his brothers, sold into slavery. First, they want to kill him. Then he gets sold into slavery. And God, what they intended for evil, God used for good. Mm -hmm. Genesis 50 verse 20. I think it's probably the theme verse for the book of Genesis outside of some of the other major verses in chapters 1 through 11. So my point is this, that Genesis 50 verse 20, what you intended for evil, God intended for good to save many people alive. God is so majestic in his attributes. He can turn what man intends for evil into his good purposes. Now that doesn't all, remove all evil from the world. And I, I'm not going to take credit for this one, but I heard a, a scholar or, or someone in that kind of level of thinking say the following. If God was to eradicate all evil from the world in the next five seconds, none of us would be here. Yeah, it's true. Because we tend to categorize evil and, and there are certainly categories to the seriousness of sins. But, you know, how about every man who's cheating on his wife or the secretary, everybody who's cheating on their taxes, everybody who told a lie today, everybody who is deceptive in some way, everybody who had an an evil thought. You know, sin, if it was to be dealt with and eradicated and all evil was to be dealt with in the next five seconds, nobody would be left, Oscar. Mm -hmm. And so God's grace can be seen there too as well. Extreme cases of evil where rape and murder and stuff like that happens, God can still turn that together for good, but God has allowed free will to exist, exist in our world. Mm -hmm. And free will is free will. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Mm -hmm. You can do wrong things and it does affect other people, but ultimately you're going to answer to God. And that's one thing that, you know, the, the Christian always is keeping in mind that, you know, um, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Nobody's going to get away with anything in the end, Oscar. And that's what Christians um, find rest in. How about for non-Christians? Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. 
You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.